Welcome back to episode seven of At Least It's Not Rocket Science. I am your host, Nathaniel, accompanied by my co-host. JJ, and accompanied by my co-host. Kyle. And today we actually have a very special guest uh, coming to you from SBC Drone. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Fisher. I'm part of the uh, SVC UAV drone team at OSU. And so, Fisher, thank you for coming on. What does SVC UAV stand for? It stands for Stereo Video um, Camera UAV, so Unmanned Aerial Vehicle um, Drone Team. So um, what that means is um, it's a... so. It's a drone equipped with kind of a stereo cameras, basically, is all it is. Okay. So we wanted to bring you on here to hear a little bit about your project, but let's hear a little bit about you. So I see your, he, you can't see it, but he is wearing a Oregon hat and a Northwest shirt. So yeah. could it be safe to say that you are from Oregon? Yeah, I'm fairly stereotypical PNW dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm from Oregon. I'm actually from Oregon City. Um, really? You know where yeah. I'm from? Where I'm from? Estacada. Oh, okay, cool. So we're not too far from, uh, wow, look at that. Small world, huh? Yeah, small small nice. world at Oregon State University. Yeah, um, no doubt. He's judging you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you you grew up in Oregon City? Mm-hmm. And right. did you go to Oregon City High School? Yeah. So did you, so out of high school, did you come immediately to OSU? Or did you go to community college first or... What was that like? Yeah, I went immediately to, to OSU, actually. Um, I did the dual um, degree program with Lynn Benton, but, yeah, immediately came to OSU. I just happened to kind of be on the right track straight out of high school, so I got lucky there. Now, since high school, did you know that you wanted to do mechanical engineering, or were you thinking of other things as well? Uh, I actually started out with chemical engineering, um, and I got about two-thirds of the way through OCHEM, and I dropped out of <laughs> – I dropped out of uh, – of chemical just because I realized I wasn't actually doing anything interesting, right? You're, I wasn't actually making anything, which I kind of thought was the whole point of engineering. So that was when I got into mechanical. Interesting. And are you, I would assume because of the our capstone class, but are you mechanical and aero minor? Correct. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because most of, so most of our connections here for like the AIAA stuff come from our capstone class. And my assumption normally is that there is a minor of arrow in there as well. But you were OCHEM, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. And you dropped out of that because it wasn't very, uh, you didn't get to do an engineer, what you thought an engineer would do. Exactly. Yeah. I, my, what I kind of had in my head was, okay, I'm going to figure out how to build stuff better. Mm-hmm. Right. And OCHEM, maybe if I had waited long enough, but I kind of realized that with, with talking to people, it was more about, you know, designing a manufacturing process or whatever it may be to create some chemical or whatnot. And, or waste management is like a huge um, industry that chemical engineering people mm-hmm. go into, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't appeal to me. So I talked to my advisor and they're like, oh, so what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I really want to like do CAD and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, yeah, mechanical is probably your route. Mechanical, so, get in there. Yeah. So did you, did any of your like classes transfer over or anything like that? Yeah, they all did except for the OCHEM. Oh, yeah, because well, it was within the first. That. Yeah, because it was within the first two years, so it was kind of all transferable. That's nice. Yeah, I had a similar experience with the. Uh, I, I went to CCC and I, I went for like a biology degree first, so we kind of come from similar backgrounds when it comes to that. Only I didn't talk to an advisor; I kind of just stumbled across mechanical <laughs> engineering, and I was like, "Oh, wait a second, I want to do this." What made you What made you switch from biology to mechanical? Um. I wanted to go into astrobiology, 
which doesn't really exist oh, cool. fully yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, because life in space is not something that's really commonly seen other than like humans right now and like bacteria. And it was such a like, you know, a baby field that I couldn't really spend a lot of time learning about it. And I certainly couldn't get paid to do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and also it's like, I, I've always had like more of the engineering mind, like building stuff, like the Lego Mindstorms, you know, all that when I was younger, Yeah. that biology just certainly fit that. So kind of like, kind of like you, the, I didn't really get to build stuff like I thought I would. So, <laughs> so at, so after OCHEM, then mechanical engineering. So for this, uh, the team, for your capstone team, did you choose that or was that one that uh, you just kind of got lotteried and given? Or did you have a passion for, uh, for the project you're on? So the reason I chose it was, so I've, I'd kind of been, I, I'd been part of a, a part of a helicopter team. It was the, gosh, what was it called? It was, it kind of, it doesn't exist this year, but it was the, uh, was it that? MAV team, I think it was called, but they were building a coaxial helicopter. And so I kind of took part in that and I was shooting to do that project, but of course it wasn't available this year. Um, so then I kind of looked at the other options and I'd been to some of the meetings of the, of the larger um, rocket teams. And for me, I just kind of wasn't interested in being, it being in a, a really big team or a, something, a competition team like that. It was more interesting to me to um, be in a smaller team and be working on kind of a new project versus um, uh, one that kind of iterated every year. That's so admirable that's, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that you're you're taking on more uh, more physical and uh, and mental labor doing that, and that's that's very admirable though because mm-hmm. you're you know you're you're making sure that you get the work done. You're making your time worth it. So that's impressive. Yeah, and those rocket teams—they suck, right? <laughs> Terrible. Especially SLI, right? Yeah, sp- I heard their team captain sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome, though. So your team—if I remember correctly—your team isn't that big, right? Yeah, it's three people. Three wow. people, man. Yeah, we have like eight, and I feel like we have too little. But I can't, man, because I recall from your uh, the presentation that you guys did for in Capstone. Like, uh, you guys were already testing and stuff like that to get a lot of your, your equipment going. And I know that you had a, a an NVIDIA Jetson, I think, right, we that were you were working on getting? Hoping to get one. We we already had, I believe at that point, we just had a Raspberry Pi, and that's what we're using currently. So I think we skipped it a little bit, but so it's a, it's a drone, mm-hmm. uh, the UAV aspect, I'm guessing, yeah. of the SVC. And so what the purpose of this project, could you explain that to us? Yeah, so the original customer, um, basically, they do research um, measuring sea turtles and nurse sharks, but primarily sea turtles. Um, and part of that research is getting morphological data. I say that right? Um, basically, you want to take measurements of sea turtles, right? So basically, the carapace length is one of those measurements that you want to take. Um, and some people, yeah, like uh, you can get get mass estimates and stuff like that, which you can obviously get from um, just you know kind of dimensional measurements of the sea turtle. So that was the application, and and basically the the original. Th- there's a couple ways that you can do it without a drone, right? You can catch a turtle and you can measure it, but they're endangered species, so that's not really ideal. Mm-hmm. Or you can kind of just visually estimate, but that's inaccurate. And there's a couple other methods that exist too, um, but the idea was you know if we could if we could stick if we could measure drones from the sky, you know, or excuse me, measure uh, sea turtles from the sky, you know, we could theoretically they're kind of uh, in shallow water or they're, they're close to the surface. We could just take measurements of, you know, we could go, instead of having to go out and catch them or whatever, we could just take measurements from afar without having to disturb the animals. 
And um, there's also an application where, you know, maybe sea turtles, um, there's, there's situations where they kind of group together to nest on the beach or whatever when there's lots of them. You could just take a video. You could then process that, process that and post and get measurements off of all those sea turtles. And so the promise is just kind of a more efficient way to get that data and get it a lot quicker than you would normally have to. And a lot and more environmentally friendly. Yeah, and you're not harming animals or anything like that. Because uh, I'm not a sea turtle expert, but I, I? if I remember correctly, <laughs> the like some sea turtles like bury their eggs in the sand. So if you're going out to grab them and measure them on the beach, you could be stepping on their young. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it'd be better to just measure them from afar versus actually having to grab them and, and catch them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a... Uh, uh, we've we interviewed the ag drone team, and I think this is an even better example of of good engineering engineering that has a goal that is a lot more uh, altruistic than the rest of our projects. Not like our projects aren't going to help anyone, but this is one that's like for the environment. You know, there's a more direct relation. It's easier to exactly. see the relationship. The connection is a lot closer than uh, a yeah, lot of exactly. the other projects. But the the agricultural drone is the other one I was thinking about where they're they're helping with the you know crop doing the the crop the pesticides. Crop, the, yeah, yeah, the crop the dusting. Pesticide, yeah. So, <laughs> man, yeah, so and I also is there any other like uh, is it just sea turtles or are you planning on trying to figure out with the other animals as well? So, for our customer specifically, it's just sea turtles and and possibly nurse sharks because that's the research they do but um, there is kind of this aspiration to sort of expand it um, and maybe even commercialize it in which case there's you know there's other research that could benefit from this like I've when we were doing kind of our, our research on what exists I mean people do this with sea lions and um, whales I think at OSU there's um, a group which um, which measures whales so there's applications with plenty of other animals and um, it's already done with um, fish as well so um, yeah, lots of applications with different animals. Hmm. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Do you guys work with the uh, brain biology program that we have on campus? Uh, we don't right now, but we really we really should, um, especially because we're kind of coming to the end of the design, and we would love to do testing with um, the people who are measuring whales, and I don't remember the name of their group. I probably should, but um, do testing or something like that. That would be a really cool way to test this. I was going to say maybe even down in Newport, Hatfield Marine Science Center, or yeah, there you go. get a gig with NOAA. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, OSU has a couple uh, ocean oceanic research vessels that they have. Yeah. um, That I did reach out a long time ago for like a job for Uh engineering on ships. For a while, I wanted to do naval engineering, that kind of thing. But uh, I was reaching out with them. So I still have their contact information if you wanted to get a hold of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but. What what are the what are the overall dimensions of like the drone and then like because the dr- it's not integrated into the drone right it's like carrying like a, a a raft I guess for lack of a better term in my mind yeah so right now the system is kind of it's it's almost I mean it is hung basically yeah. from the drone and so um, the dimensions of it it's 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 almost one dimensional right it's just it's basically cameras mounted on a rod currently because it's that simple um, so the actual distance between the cameras is kind of what what limits or controls how large this thing is. Um, and that's kind of a, a design parameter because the, the further apart you put the cameras, the more accurate your measurements are mm-hmm. or the longer you can measure away from. Um, so right now our, our current system, we, we have it set up at one meter um, separation. Um, but For the cameras apart or from the body of the, the UAV? 
So f for the cameras apart, right? Okay. So you have your. I'm, I'm using my hands right now. Obviously, tell, but <laughs> we'll get camera yeah, eventually. Yeah. So it's 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 one meter apart for the actual uh, stereo video rig, and then that's just being hung from the drone. Um, and so the drone's a really small one. It's it's a DJI Mavic Three, I believe it's the Mavic uh, Three Air. So it's really small, um, and then it's you know it's it's maybe uh, it's hanging probably I don't know a half a meter below that. Mm -hmm. That's another thing you can adjust as well. It's another parameter. Just, you know, tuning it to what you want it to do and see how accurate they get estimate-wise. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's the camera separation is what you adjust. Yeah, exactly. And what have you done, like, because I know you're trying to say you want to do, like, live testing, like, out in the field, right? Mm -hmm. Have you done, like, uh, ground testing, like, you just on a piece of paper, you, you draw out, like, a turtle and then you cut it out and then test it like that, like, to see the measurements <laughs> from the air? Well, we haven't cut out a sea turtle, but we have, <laughs> we have put the rig with not on the drone. We put it on a just on a chair or whatever, just mounted it somewhere, and then just kind of grabbed objects of a known length, right, and taken it some distance away and, and done testing. And then we've kind of plotted that over various distances and, and various camera separations to kind of understand what our accuracy is and, and how each um, parameter affects the accuracy that we get. Um, we have flight testing tomorrow, so oh. uh, we don't expect the accuracy to change that much, but we've already done a flight test without measurements, so hopefully we won't learn that much new. So... Um, if you uh, if you want to learn more about this project, we were going to do this later. But if you want to learn more about this project, uh, where can where can they find you? Well, we have a page on the AIAA website. That we should probably add more photos for. <laughs> but on there should be uh, somebody's contact information, somebody's email, as well as our Discord. And our Discord's probably the best way to get into contact with us. And we can share meeting times or share when you know kind of when we're doing testing or whatnot. So that'd probably be the best way, the and, AAA website. And possibly even uh, a video of the test that's going to be going on tomorrow. <laughs> possibly. Hopefully a successful one, too. Uh, do you have uh, in-person meetings anywhere? We do have in-person meetings. Um, Are volunteers allowed to come to those? Yeah, totally. Um, we So we have to kind of set up a good time for everyone to, to join, but it'll probably be, um, probably be uh, four to six on... Wednesdays. That's probably when we're going to do it. Don't quote me on that. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to put information on the website or if you join the Discord. We Re can, reach out for yeah. sure. Reach out before you just show up yeah. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, man, that's that's super cool, though. Sea so, turtles. Oh, go ahead. So with the the, the drone, like the, the team, I guess, because I know every team has like a different structure. Uh, what are the different sub teams in your guys' uh, project? Yeah, so um, we so we don't really have it formally <laughs> broken out into sub-teams because there's only three of us, but we have different kind of specialties, so you could kind of consider that the sub-team, right? And so there's um, there's me, Fisher, and Azara, um, and we're mechanical engineers, and so we're kind of tag-teaming the mechanical engineering and the physical design of it. And then um, Elliot is our CS major, so he's kind of working on the software that goes along with the drone. And that's, I, sh I should also mention, kind of a critical component of this project is the software that goes along with it because um, obviously, you know, just having videos of your sea turtles from two cameras is cool, but that's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> you live so, stream it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, yeah, it doesn't get, get you very far, but uh, it's actually using those videos um, and the GUI that goes along with it and all the math to actually get those measurements. So the software is kind of critical and it's sort of the, the secret sauce of the whole thing <laughs> if you really get down to it. The Physical design secret. really isn't that unique. So, yeah. The secret sauce. I like the secret sauce. <laughs> Actually, I have a question. Are you using a uh, uh, smart alg smart algorithm to, to learn all the images, or are you using a different approach? So 
I'm not too familiar with it, but my understanding is you, so the process is kind of, you, you take your images, the, there's calibration that happens, mm -hmm. there's, there's individual camera calibration, there's stereo camera calibration that happens, uh, and then you take your videos. And then you take your two videos, you select points on like a screen snip of that video, and then there's um, a matching algorithm that happens. Mm -hmm. It basically says like, okay, here's the eyeball of a sea turtle in this image, in this video. We need to match that up with the eyeball of the sea turtle in this other video. And so it tries to kind of figure out where things are relative to each other in the two images. And then from that, that's how you extrapolate measurements. Um, but it's just a, it's a manual process right now of you select a point here and you select a point here on the left image and then repeat the same thing on the right. Mm -hmm. and then you end up with, here's what we expect that, that distance between those two points you selected are. Ooh, that's... <laughs> sounds, that's a a, lot, sounds a lot more complicated than mm, rocket go burr. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it uses uh, a, a library from um, Open... Oh, geez, OpenCV. Is that what it's called? Oh, no, I had it in my head. OpenCV. Oh, geez, I think that's right. I think it's OpenCV. It's, it's, it's by Google, and so they kind of have a stereo... Um, I'm not sure if it's physically for stereo measurement, but it's, it's a really kind of advanced library. I mean, it's from Google, obviously. <laughs> we didn't make it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of math open and stuff source. that goes on behind it. Exactly, yeah, it's open source. Yeah, because you guys have took, taken on 351, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. instrumentation. Is that yeah, instrumentation. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, I know the Raspberry, do you have it configured for C++ as well? Because we have ours doing the same thing. Yeah, so the Raspberry Pi is using, uh, it's running Python. Python? Oh, Python. okay. You know, that's a lot easier to work with. Yeah, yeah I guess for sure. Yeah, I still need to learn Python. I'm used to C++ and MATLAB, but I ha I'm kind of forced to learn Python soon, which does not make JJ a happy boy. <laughs> so, but, but I, go ahead. Uh, I was just wondering because I know with the Arduino and the, the C++, you can kind of force it to learn it, to, to recognize those images. And I was just wondering if you're using that kind of software, because that's really cool. So what do you mean by image recognition? Are you talking about, like, selecting the turtles out of the image or something? Or um, Do you guys do the stop sign uh, project for oh, a class? Yeah. Or something like that. Oh, so right. machine, machine, he's it. talking about machine learning. Machine learning. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. the term. I was like, yeah. there we go. Okay. learning algorithm. No, <laughs> it's, it's machine learning. Duh. So Smart computer. I guess the, <laughs> the application of that here would be, like, um, yeah, using machine learning or whatever to to say, oh, we know that's a sea turtle. Mm -hmm. Let's take the measurements we want off of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of like, I mean, we we aren't doing that just because there's a lot to do otherwise. But that's if somebody takes it and takes this project and runs with it, you could totally do that. Because one of the problems that um, people, you know, researchers, customers kind of say they have is, you know, you get this footage and, and whatever, but you, you have to post-process all of it. Mm -hmm. And that takes a really long time. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much improvement you can do to, like, how fa with the GUI, with how fast you can click on different things. So um, having an automated system to, you know, maybe even just get, even if it just said, hey, we think this is a good screenshot for you to use from the video, that would save a lot of time as well. So um, we don't have it on our radar, but that's totally something you could do. That's, yeah. Well, I was just thinking that if the fact that you're not using the machine learning stuff is so impressive because that... <laughs> um, Machine learning is basically lazy man's code. Except for <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It does time take a lot up. of time, mm -hmm. but you you know, you hit a couple buttons and then you wait. 
<laughs> you're not you're not that's way above slogging head, through so I'm like ultra lazy if- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all i know is that it was set up for me already and i just essentially pressed go i just know that behind the scenes it's got to like tra- you got to like train it through like thousands of mm-hmm. different images multiple iterations yeah, yeah. yeah. and then the, especially with sea turtles because it's biologically different each one it'd be a lot more training for yeah that specific yeah, machine learning possible. too. I know Tesla mm-hmm. and a lot of the Elon Musk stuff. Is, yeah, they're doing. For, yeah, they do lots of machine learning. They do like a lot of the machine learning for like the self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll force them to drive in like the worst cities to drive in America, like <laughs> San Francisco, I think, New York. <laughs> they'll like force these self-driving cars in like a blocked-off area, and they'll just force them to drive. Well, um, just people milling about. Yeah, it takes their driving data. Yeah, they'll drive yeah. and it'll record like how they drive and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Make sure that like they don't hit pedestrians. And it comes by but we're, we're getting off track because <laughs> I, I was wondering because i'm like well how do you make sure to tell the machine that oh this is a turtle not a rock but you can already well it's telling me that because you're doing the manual stuff. Done. yeah because you that's and that's part of the slow part is right you got to go oh i think was there a turtle on this that looks image, like a turtle. Or is that just a ripple on the water <laughs> yeah. and you gotta <laughs> hmm, that's yeah. a really big turtle nope that's a rock yeah <laughs> that's where the yeah, time-consuming part comes that's in. what i was going to ask too is what do you think is like the biggest challenge of the project altogether the, the biggest challenge for us is the amount of research that we have to do because this doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't really exist, right? And and mm-hmm. and we don't know a lot about stereo. So we kind of have to go in and go, okay, how does the accuracy change if we do this, right? And we have to, we're running all these tests and there's so many kind of ideas and ways to um, adjust things with the design. Um, so just doing all that testing and coming up with all that stuff takes a long time and it kind of detracts from actually you know, making something, but it's so critical because if, if you don't know, right, like you can't just design with no information, right? Mm-hmm. How do I make this, you know, so you need that information, but that's the hardest part is, is kind of learning everything and doing all the research behind it, um, which isn't super complicated. It's just kind of, you know, doing some reading and adjusting things, but there's a lot of it is the difficult part. And following that question, uh, so because because you said stereo is probably one of the hardest aspects, is it, it's stereo because the two angles give a, the best way of like measuring something from a far away with the accuracy like the two different perspectives is that why it's stereo yeah exactly i mean it's 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 depth perception is why stereo mm-hmm. right so if you have a single camera you you know you can see where it is um uh kind of in the xy plane mm-hmm. if that makes sense but um once you add like a right if you have two if you have one eyeball you don't have very good depth perception but <laughs> yeah. if you have two eyeballs you can see kind of how far things are away um and yeah that's essentially the reason for doing that is is being able to get a 3D point, um, being able to say I know where this is in 3D space versus just 2D space. And they, I'm I would assume possibly wrongly, I will assume that they're they're kind of angled towards a singular point, and that's what you're talking about. Farther away, they can be more accurate and closer together depending on how you tune them. They're angled slightly, not just straight up and down. So yeah, so so. Uh, so our current system, they're just angled, they're straightforward. Right? Okay. They're pointing just straightforward. But yeah, probably in the final design, we will angle them um, inwards a little bit, just because. And the reason you do that is because you want the field of view to align. Right? Yeah. You want to catch like as much of your kind of target area. You want both the cameras to overlap. Mm-hmm. Because if you can only see it with one camera, well, then you don't have no measurement. depth perception. So right? you you want the views of the cameras. Yeah. So you want along. that to. Kind of like our eyes. Like it's like our eyes mm-hmm. don't see like like we still see they cross. I covered the my right. mouth with my hands, but it's like <laughs> our eyes don't go just straight. It's like they cross just just a little bit in the middle. 
Right. And then that forms our vision. Because that's a, our our eyes are essentially stereo vision, aren't they? That's mm-hmm. that's yeah, just without exactly. all the electricity. That's why we got two. It's just without <laughs> all the electricity. Uh, so that's really interesting, though. And your eyes are right. Your eyes are close together. So mm-hmm. you're you know you, you're you're kind of your dead zone of where you can't see is really close to your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, like hammerhead sharks, yeah. opposite <laughs> sides of their exactly. head. Yeah. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. You can't measure anything. As you make the cameras farther apart, your your dead zone in front of you gets further away from your cameras. So that's why you would angle them in is another reason. So you can reduce that dead zone if you expect stuff to be close to you. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here just, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we always talk about, because uh, there's a lot of things we don't understand, especially as engineers. Like we all have our <laughs> focuses, right? But it's like we always think like, when we don't understand something, you know how Neanderthals historically had like their big brow. Mm-hmm. We always talk about our our big Neanderthal brow growing sli- slowly out at more and more to look like cavemen as we don't understand things. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking totally. about ion propulsion and trying to like understand it. Yeah, trying oh. to understand it. We we're like, what is going on? Or yeah, we were talking about nuclear fusion. Oh, we were that like, too. We we're like, yeah, I don't really understand this, but I just know that you know magic electricity goes burr. Yeah, <laughs> you know no, that's how I feel about a lot of rocket stuff. So it's, it goes two ways. <laughs> it's just explosions mostly. That's Super what I could say. Controlled explosions. Yeah, controlled Until explosions. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so for your for the the drone that you're using too, you said it's not that big. So is the whole the whole weight of like the SVC apparatus is that a concern? Like with the amount of time, like the amount of weight it can carry, as well as like the battery time. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so there's kind of there's 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 three things of the weight, right? Can it even lift the weight in the first place? And then the next thing is, well, how long can you fly with that much weight? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is, is it stable with that much weight? And um, those are kind of your, those were kind of our primary concerns with with the weight. Um, it ends up being that the system's pretty darn light, like the cameras are pretty light. The heaviest thing is actually the um, is kind of the power system, right? Mm-hmm. The battery, the lithium-ion mm-hmm. battery is heavy, um, and then also the the DC to DC converter that that goes from the nine volts or whatever to the five volts on the Raspberry Pi is fairly heavy too. But everything else is pretty light, right? It's a it's carbon fiber tube. It's it's simple. Stuff. Oh, it's carbon fiber tube. Yeah, because I was gonna I was thinking like because I figured that. Like you mentioned, you want to measure things not in the middle of the ocean. They're probably going to be in shallow water or on yeah. the beach, right? Yeah. I was thinking, like, are they going to fly this thing out of, like, the coast, like, all over the middle of, you know, deep blue water? <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. No, they got to measure it in shallow water. That'd be cool, though. It would, <laughs> it would be cool. <laughs> you have a bunch of dr- Leave a GPS drones. beacon for you to come pick up all the data. Yeah. Even pings the uh, shark or oh, yeah. sea, turtle, sea turtle or whatever. Just tags them. So, and so... so when you are so someone's obviously it's not automated the like flying of it right someone is controlling it well so i mean it could be with the dji because right it has automated takeoff Mm -hmm. and then you could set it to do like a transit and then um it also has automated landing so it could be we haven't messed with that too much but do you have now it's manual is that an altimeter uh, yes. Okay, so like when you're controlling it, it'll say like what altitude it's at. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that was my next question. I was like, how how do you know what altitude you're at so that you can get like the best measurement? Yeah, exactly. and that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, it it knows what it took off, what altitude it took off from, and it's like, uh, I, this is my understanding of how it works. It knows where it took off, and it says, oh, that's zero. And then everything. Oh, goes. I see. It's relative. So it's a reference point. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's my understanding of how it works. Okay. Some drones can actually give you like an accurate altimeter, but from sea level. Yeah, that ends up being one of the one of the things that like if if you don't spend a lot of money on an altimeter, it, it ends up being kind of janky. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's a problem with um so like kind of the, the precursor to it to a stereo video system is just a single camera system so like every drone right well most drones i guess have just a single camera on them mm -hmm. and um you could theoretically take measurements using just that one camera try so we're basically achieving the same thing we're doing with stereo but um you have to know how far you have to get that depth information some other way so if you know that the animal or the sea turtle is like maybe a meter under the water and you're 45 meters above the water you can theoretically get all the information you need it doesn't end up working quite as well but that's one of the limitations mm -hmm. is the accuracy of the altimeter. That's fair. That's really cool. Yeah. I like, keep, uh, I keep hmm. asking questions too. Oh, well, I'm thinking about it too. Cause I'm like, well, how would I solve this problem? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all engineers. We're like, hmm, how, how would I do it? And the first thought was, well, you know, we could do ultrasonic, but that wouldn't work with liquid. Um, yeah, there's, I, there's LIDAR and stuff I was going like to ask but, about LIDAR. And then there's I a couple heard, of laser systems. Yeah, and, I heard that oh. LIDAR doesn't penetrate, or at least some kinds of LIDAR don't penetrate Yeah, the water, water creates a nice issue. <laughs> and then yeah. you would have a variation due to salinity. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're doing it in, like, a wow. fresher water rather than, like, as, like, as much coastal well, water. temperature will take into effect the time of year, all that kind of stuff, so it would be unreliable. Hmm. Um, and also the humidity of the humidity, air. Humidity. And then the different currents, different times of year. Hmm. Wind speed. I was. Gonna, I have another question, too. I'm sorry. I keep asking all of them. Because <laughs> um, you're kind of talking about how – you're talking about things that you could definitely do, like machine learning, like automating, like flight for it, like for hover and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, are there plans to, like – because you also mentioned that the, you know, the further or closer away the cameras get to each other for, like, the stereo video aspect – it can be more or less accurate. Are there plans to like kind of automate that process depending on like the height that you're planning on looking at, we, like for them to move in or out? We don't have that plan because we basically want to set it as big as the biggest. That's uh, called baseline separation, okay. the distance between the cameras. We want the biggest baseline we can get because we're never measuring so close that we would need it to be a smaller baseline. Okay. Or mm -hmm. at least we're operating on the assumption that we wouldn't be that way. But there is actually, when we were kind of doing research for this, there is somebody that built a little mini drone that has cameras that change their baseline, their camera separation as it like flies through a forest, mm -hmm. something like that. And that's pretty useful if you're like getting close to objects and whatnot. So that is a thing, but that's not on our radar just because of the, the application of it. And overcomplication as well. Yeah. That's always something that, cool, we, but... that we talk about <laughs> heavily in USLI that I have to constantly constantly remind our team. The is, tank. Is constantly <laughs> reminding the team that our job is to not overcomplicate things. Yeah. Keep it, uh, what is it, kiss? Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> we got we to gotta do our best to keep it simple because the more time we over spend overcomplicating something is the more time we have to figure out how to actually do it. Yeah. So. But yeah, that sounds like so your baseline length right now. You said it's a meter, right? Mm -hmm. And so with the baseline length, what what height is like the best? Optimal? Yeah. So um it's I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call it optimal. I would say up to so currently it's about up to 40 feet right Ooh, now. That's pretty good. With the 1080p cameras up to 40 feet, you get pretty reliable measurements you could probably go above that you could probably go to like 50 um what you're kind of limited to is like we were using a carbon fiber rod basically mm -hmm. the same thing we have as our uh, rig but um, another carbon fiber rod and when you get to like 45 feet with a 1080p cameras it's like the end of the rod is like one pixel so it's like you know if you're selecting a pixel on the screen you could be like one pixel off and yeah. one pixel mm -hmm. is like oh that's like five centimeters and so you end up being really far off on your measurement just because the 
the size of a pixel in reality is big. Yeah. So that's what kind of that's one of the limitations of of the of the range that you can have. I see. As far as um, close to the camera, right? As long as it's in the cam in the view of both cameras. I mean, we measured. I think we started at like ten feet, and that's totally fine to do. You could probably do five feet if it was right in the sweet spot. <laughs> um, but you probably wouldn't get that close to the animal anyway. Yeah. And sorry again. I, I keep asking all the questions. Sorry, Nathaniel. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> um, the uh, is the drone pretty quiet? Um. Somewhat. Okay, because I was going to ask, are there concerns for flying a, a loud drone above, like, uh, turtles? And they're like, what the, it's, what is, it's, what's going on? It's pretty quiet as far as drones go, right? Like, it depends on what your point of comparison is. I mean, there's kind of the original drone that they used was this massive, like, hexacopter drone. And I'm sure that thing's significantly louder. <laughs> it's like but, a helicopter um, it, was, it was literally like... Just imagine you're a sea diameter. turtle and you hear... What's going on? So... Time, time. My understanding is that um, the the people, uh, I guess they're at Hatfield. I need to know what their what the what the group's name is. But the the people at OSU who are who are doing whale research and they've used single camera drones to measure whales. They said the whales just don't care if you're like they're about forty feet above <laughs> the whales, and it makes sense. They're like, oh, cute drone. And yeah, they just kind of keep it's going. It's tiny. So um, I don't think it disturbs them. Maybe a sea turtle will be more disturbed. I don't know. We haven't tested that yet. Yeah, I I mean. I figured that the sound of the ocean, like, especially if you're, like, 40 feet up, the sound of the ocean, like, crashing against, like, the, the you know, the coast is probably going to be a louder or if not about mm-hmm. the same noise, you know. They'd probably just be like, hey, what's that weird-looking bird doing? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's true. They probably just would think of a bird. I think it just kind of also just comes down to the rules and regulations that are set forth. Because uh, yeah. I remember when I was a park ranger at Yaquina Head, uh, we're not actually, like, the whole Yaquina Head is a no-fly zone for drones. We're not allowed to have drones in that vicinity there's also like a decibel level that they cannot be over because it's considering like harassing the animal blah blah, mm-hmm. blah. yeah um but yeah what was that decibel level i don't remember and <laughs> i don't want to give any <laughs> false oh false yeah information i'm trying but... to i'm trying to think of like what what normal like ambient like city volume is i think like car like a slamming a car door would be like 30 i was right? gonna say 30 I, to 50 i thought that like 60 was like slamming let me look let me you know we're gonna use our yeah. best friend google here. <laughs> i know once you get into like the hundreds like low hundreds, hundreds is when damage like, comes. That's, that's pretty loud let's see it's yeah but i was gonna say also up. at the aquina the aquina had uh, you could like stand on the rocks right there and sometimes the whales would come up and they'd come up right next to the rock they wouldn't even care that you're Dude, there they'd just cool. be like yeah what's up blow some water yeah. on you there's so much to do, they just do not care. <laughs> You're yeah. in the splash zone. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really cool. When I lived in Hawaii, they used to, on their migration path, go across the east side of the island, and it would, there's not any fancy sign or anything like that. We basically just pulled over on the side of the freeway and then just looked, and you can kind of see them doing their their uh, tail splash mm-hmm. and hanging out, doing their thing. I'm like, oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also look up, uh, what is the drone called? Which one? Oh, the, the one. DJI Mavic yeah. Air 3. Or 2, excuse me. It's the Mavic Air 2. I got that wrong. Because it looks like 30 is like ambient room volume, and then like a gunshot is like 140. Uh, let's see. Oh, look, people did sound. I'm going to guess it's. It says it's very quiet. 84 <laughs> decibels. For your drone. That's my best guess. Oh, look, drone. Kind of random. Thank you. Put money on that. Thank you, drone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, dronesgator.com for giving us uh, the values for the. Oh, this is flight time. Oh, decibels. Ooh. So what did you guess? Eighty-four. 
four. What did you guess? I didn't guess. We got to play. I'll say eighty-seven. Betting, aren't you? Eighty-seven. I can't guess since I have the answer. What is it? It is sixty-three. Oh, so like it says, like above seventy is like is like uh like hurting your ears. Like background music is like sixty. So I think that's. You should be well. Okay. You should be fine. I'm sure it's probably, forty feet up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. it's probably yeah. it's like what inverse square law for sound dissipation. I'm sure. Hi. Don't even <laughs> start getting probably. some math into it. I'm yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Because I, I was thinking about that. I was like, hmm, flying a drone over someone like that. Now the ag drone, theirs is like huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one's probably pumping out a lot of sound. That one's a lot closer to the original drone they used for this project. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of scary. You can just carry a person with a camera at that point. Just <laughs> yeah. like a harness and just take a picture. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Just Not even a, a camera, just give them a tape yard, measure. Yeah, they've got a yardstick. <laughs> <laughs> They're hanging above. Uh, Flying around chasing sea turtles. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. measure you. <laughs> yeah. That one's pretty scary, honestly. <laughs> we told at the beginning of the project, they were like, hey, do you guys want to fly these things around? You can just fly them around OSU. And we're like, holy cow, we're going to fly that giant drone. We've never flown a drone. Just over top of OSU. That oh, be, man. would be freaking out, man. Well, yeah. Like, some of them are, like, super loud. Like, we talked about, like, and also, they weigh, like, they might not look like it because they're flying, mm-hmm. but they, they weigh, weigh a couple probably, pounds. Like, <laughs> they it'll, probably, it'll take you out. They probably it... weigh, like, 50 pounds, honestly. Like, the, because there's the Ag drone, I think, has, like, eight rotors. Yeah. Each of them pumping out 60 amps, as we learned. Or, no, they have six. And so, like. Those no, it, are, it was some weird high number, right? It was it was sixty amps and there's six motors, so it's sixty okay. amps per motor. Yeah, which is, and that's cow. why they kept burning Ridic- out. Ridiculous! Holy cow! Yeah, and they didn't, and they didn't have any fuses. Hundreds of amps. <laughs> they didn't have any fuses. Ooh. And keep How in mind, you if you're listening, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we said. That's what, I mean, we talked to one of their team members about this. Uh, they ran it. It was like very high voltage too. It was like. It was like uh, it was like kilowatts. Like they were in the kilowatt range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were like horrified because like we talked about like the 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 dangers of like amperage. I think it's like even like even over mm-hmm. like a thousand milliamps, it like gets like no, really dangerous. Like uh, half a normal amp can stop your heart if it goes up through your <laughs> yeah. your arm. One amp can fry like your nervous system depending on where it is. You can survive it. But depending on the location, again, but like anything above like five is like that's that's some serious. So, um, so what amperage is yours, right? <laughs> not sixty, hopefully. Definitely not. We don't touch any of the electrical on the drone. That's luckily, a smart move. We kind of we kind of have an option too because we could almost tap into the battery, but it's oh gosh, it's really complicated. Because you guys have two separate batteries, right? You have one for your camera and one for or one for the Raspberry Pi camera and one for the the drone. Right now, yeah, exactly. And there was an idea like, oh, could we use the drone battery to power the the cameras? That would kind of lighten the the weight up, might mm-hmm. sacrifice a little flight time. But um, is it? It's it's not like it's too leads on the battery it's like eight or whatever (laughs) you got to figure out what all those things do and i'm sure it's like it's smart batteries so it's kind of i'm sure one powers the altimeter one powers the radio connector right is it okay they also have a i forgot what it's called but it's like a flight um monitor thing uh i think it's called ecs or ec something each each motor has one uh, are they ecus Maybe. Is it something like like proprietary to the to the DJI, or is it just all drones have it? I believe all drones have it. Yes. Sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> and they're just like a little like a box, and it has three wires that connect one end to the motor, one end to the battery. Yeah, some kind of motor controller. Or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So yeah, that yeah. way, I forgot exactly what it does. 
Yeah. But that's probably why you have so many leads on your battery because you have yeah. that connected to that. And then. Yeah, could be. <laughs> could also be a bunch of logic to the battery. I'm not sure. Cause that too. My understanding is the batteries are like, they're smart batteries, however smart a battery can be. But mm, I mean, you can jury rig some. It can be smart. <laughs> <than that. laughs> like I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, what would I do? Hmm. Yeah. How about, hmm. how about we just strap a rocket to the drone <laughs> so you save power? We'll shoot it up for you, and then we'll separate the rocket and the drone, and then you can take pictures from up there. I like it. Let's do it. Simple combination. <laughs> combination. See, this is this is what a cross discipline right here. <laughs> so, but very cool. Yeah, I I'm excited to see what. Uh, what becomes of your guys' project? Because I want to see that live testing. And I want to see like a real life test. Yeah, I hope we, oh man, I hope we get to do testing on, on testing on animals. That sounds worse than it is. I hope, <laughs> <laughs> I hope we get to measure some animals. Yeah, I sure do hope so, we get to save the environment. So testing. Now, your project as well, um, are you going to go into spring with it as well? Because Capstone ends this term. So. Yeah, we're, we're done in, in winter. Okay. Um, one of the one of our teammates is is not graduating in winter term, so he may take it a little bit further. And he's the he's the one working on software, so um, he may go a little further with it. But mm -hmm. it's, it's probably going to end in the winter. So does that mean you're graduating in the winter as well? Mm -hmm. oh. oh, oh, congratulations! congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> golf clap, golf clap. Yeah, we don't want to <laughs> deafen everybody. Uh -huh. That's awesome, though. I think I think most of us are graduating spring, spring. term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spring term. I actually had a question for you. Do you want to take something like this outside of college? Like, do you want to go into industry with a sort of profession? Uh, this kind of related thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been I've been kind of pursuing jobs, and none of them have involved this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Although it would be cool. It would mm -hmm. be cool to be able to kind of take stuff that you kind of sort of quote unquote specialized in in school and 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 do it as a job. Well, I guess the most similar thing would be. I mean, drones would be similar, but we're drones. not really working on drones. So um, maybe like helicopters or something would be a somewhat tangential. Do you, do you want it to be something like with the environment, like mixing like engineering with like the environment type stuff? Or is it more like the, the drone aspect plus like the finding similar? I guess that's engineering in general, just having a problem trying to solve it in an engineering way. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know what industries would be out there that would be similar to this. I know there's some companies that make like stereo um camera systems and stuff but i don't think they're big companies or anything mm -hmm. probably not based in oregon so yeah well, i'm not I, sure what we i was more referencing the uh the research and oh. the uh, that sort of portion where you know they come out with new problems all the time mm -hmm. and they're trying to measure something they're trying to do something they're trying to get down to somewhere um like i know they're trying to make another submarine to get down through the mariana trench mm -hmm. they're trying to get get down as far as they can yeah uh, would you want to be interested in that or just like in that over you know, umbrella of, you know, like environmental, research like research or yeah, anything like that, saying. environmental stuff. The um, you know, I, that's, I haven't been pursuing that. I mean, that would be interesting. I'm not particularly interested in it, but mm. um, I guess, you know, we, we had an interview with a dude um, that worked at NOAA and he's using stereo video. I'm sure that would be a really kind of a, that would kind of be in that path, the environmental related stuff. And they're, I mean, they're using stereo systems to measure, to measure and monitor fish and stuff like that. So I think that would be kind of a. Um, a natural progression as a job, especially in Oregon, like the the salmon ladder, or like you go mm. to like uh, the dams. Yeah, that would be cool. Gosh, I think he was. I think he was on. Um, I think he was near the Gulf, but I'm not sure the Gulf of Mexico. But oh, I'm not that sure. would be. I'm not sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure there's something in Oregon. Oh yeah, I mean, be. even then, with like your the technology that you're using just to like measure turtles, it kind of also makes me think about like. 
I, I saw like uh, on the news, I saw or I saw something where it was like in 2018 they found like almost like a perfectly rectangular piece of ice like in Antarctica or in like the in the Arctic Ocean somewhere. And I was thinking like, man, that would be pretty cool to like get like see like sea ice for like journeys for like ships or to like get people to Antarctica better to like analyze like the the amount of ice that's like melting or the amount of icebergs that are out and about during that time like getting those measurements because at least that way you 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 can differentiate the the color pretty easily from the uh, the water right what's the deal with the rectangular piece so of it's ice? just like this massive i don't remember there's a piece of ice i think it's in Antarctica there's a piece of ice called like the B17 like glacier let me look this up too so it's I know a big chunk of ice it's like <laughs> it's ma- yeah it's big what you're talking about in Antarctica. Cool. Uh, again, I just read things. See, this is how we cool is the, the uh, one that's like the world down. Icer, you know? All right, Icer, iceberg B seventeen at twice the size of Manhattan in the Southern Ocean. So that's what I remember reading about, and I'm like, whoa! Like, look at that! Look at that big old ice! And they're with Noah <laughs> as well. So that's the ice right there from space. And so I'm like, dang! Look at that big ice! For those who can't see, it's, uh, it's this is that's global to picture. Yeah, 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 so huge, they have a but... scale of Australia. And there's bitty little thing ding and so like it just made me think like finding ice like this just like floating on the ocean like noah obviously is interested in this and so it'd be cool if like you applied that technology like for like other than like marine life but you applied like that stereo technology with like other things that out there that need measurement like this you know yeah and that's, well, go ahead well i mean you can do that with lots of things like you know shipwrecks you know all sorts of stuff because yeah. you know satellite images and uh, like you're saying with the wildlife stuff, there's so many things that require data management, like just in Oregon. Yeah. Like instead of normal cameras, what if you slap like thermal on that? Be like, you know, we need to take a census for your, of the entire deer population, and then you just measuring, re- release a bunch of drones in the woods, measuring coastlines. Yeah, exactly. So um, those sorts of things. But sorry, I uh, interrupted you. Yeah, uh, there's um, there's possible. Yeah, that's kind of one of our goals with the project as well is to kind of look at what other applications that are just outside of uh, ecological research um, that there are for um, this kind of system. And you know, stereo video has been around for a long time, and so I kind of wonder, you know, why hasn't it been applied in more areas? I'm sure a lot of people know a lot more, you know, <laughs> reasons why it isn't used all over the place. But I'm curious, like, you know, what other applications would there be for it, right? Maybe Big ice. measuring giant chunks <laughs> of ice is a great one. And then, you know, measure, uh, maybe measuring like, um, like a uh, um, like a utility poles or something, because you want to know the distance between attachments on utility pole that would be one way to get that information or um you know you could you could also take in a different direction our software is basically like you want to know the distance between two points but you could also generate like a like a point cloud right and there's technology to do that where you right like if you have an iphone you can do the the face scan thing right and Mm -hmm. it'll kind of like make a 3d model of your face so there's technology to do that by kind of moving a camera but you could do that with stereo cameras too um so maybe like land surveying or something like that so i don't know there might be a lot of applications for it yeah it's 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 technology that i I think is like perfectly in the middle where you could take it you can overcomplicate it to do a lot more different things and then you could also just like utilize it for other things that you don't need to like even modify it that much right yeah like i'm sure you could add like you could add lidar to like you could do more things to probably like increase the accuracy of like your data but like obviously the price will just like skyrocket and we're all we're college students not like we can afford it (laughs) so i wish we had uh, a unlimited budget that'd be awesome yeah it certainly make our alabama trip a lot easier (laughs) so do you guys uh 
like a lot of the teams have like a travel plan. Like if you were to, so like let's have a hypothetical here. So like let's say that you were given the opportunity to go test it like live in the field. Like everything's working perfectly for you. Let's say you could go like we won't even, we'll even go out of the U.S. We'll say anywhere in the world to go test this thing like with turtles if that off the top of your head where you know of. Because like I think one of the teams is going to Thailand. Like we're going to Alabama. Alabama, I don't think there's many turtles, but anywhere <laughs> in the world, where would you like to go test this? So I know, God, I don't remember the places. I know there's a couple places that would be uh, really good to test this, but one one place that we kind of discussed if we ended up having the budget and kind of a working system to do it would be to go to Florida um, because apparently sea turtles kind of hang around out there. Mm-hmm. And so um, our, our kind of advisors slash customers are, are from Florida, so they've done research. In oh. the area, so they, they're familiar mm-hmm. with it. Um, and that's probably where we would go to do kind of real world testing with it. That so would be cool. it's not that interesting or tropical, but I mean, it's tropical enough. I guess it's tropical. You, gotta, you can always go to Hawaii. That's true. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go to yeah. Hawaii. You, you know, just it have might the, actually be cheaper. Yeah. It might be. You have the drone. just a plane that's plane true. fare. Do you have the drone sitting on a lawn chair next to you as you're drinking a mai tai? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're testing. The Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah, you know. t- yeah, testing. Hey, you know, <laughs> I know exactly. You, know, you go to Oahu, you go over to North Shore in the winter, that's where they hang out. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. All of the turtles? Yeah. Or they, depending on the type of time of year, they bebop around. I have one last question because I've asked so many. Um, like, is there a specific turtle type? Is it like the, 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 the leatherback turtle turtles? Type. Like, like soft shell turtles? <laughs> like, you... The research is based off of green sea turtles. Green sea turtles, okay. Yeah. So we don't care about any other sea turtles. No turtle. No, the We're rest not measuring of them, them. They stink. They'll they'll do they whatever st- they got. <laughs> yeah, no. So interesting. Man. So now I have a kind of a question that's not related to the project, but more personal. Um, when you think of mechanical engineering, you know we, we have kind of like our all specialty like realm underneath that. So I guess what is your preference? Like, are you more of like a material guy, thermofluids, robotics, like? You know, I've never, I've never been a person to kind of, to, I've never been a person to kind of pick a topic and, and stick with it, honestly. So I'm, I kind of, I'm interested in a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like some projects I'm working on are, are kind of um, like programming based, right? So working with Arduinos and stuff like that. So I would say more general, um, like kind of the reason I got into it is just be able to make things really well um, or better than I could before. And so just doing a little bit of everything is kind of what I target, right? Jack I usually, yeah, I usually <laughs> try and say like, okay, what do, what, what end product do I want to get to with a project? And then I'll just go through and learn the minimum required for every single skill. I, I'm very and similar I never really way. hone in on any particular yeah. thing. <laughs> so. Now kind of piggybacking off of that, what would be your dream job then? Oh, gosh, a good one. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm different than a lot of people. I feel like a lot of aerospace people are very like, you know, they, they know they want aerospace and they know what they would love to do. <laughs> but they're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's like, well, I don't know that it's uh, the dream job is is not about exactly what the work is. It's probably more based off of, you know, what I where it is, what location, um, who I get to work with and then, you know, kind of the life outside of it. And so, do you enjoy doing it? Yeah, exactly. So I don't have a particularly um, strong answer for that. I don't have one particular profession that I'm super interested in. I I think that that is honestly a fantastic answer because I think college in general, people will go in like 
expected or they'll think that they're expected to know what they want to do right out of school and mm-hmm. you're about to graduate and you don't necessarily have one nailed down right i think that that's it's great to have that because you know you're successful already in what you're doing but it's like you don't necessarily need to know that right off the bat mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of an underwhelming answer to give because people have asked that in interviews or whatever and i'm like well i don't know and they're like oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> but i think a lot of people are in a in a position like that where oh it's, definitely where it's like i don't really have any particular thing i know a lot of people that are in that position yeah mm-hmm. so it, it's it's almost a scenario of, of if you want to special just just pick something just pick something and go with it. I throw a dart at a board. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. that that's more. I think that's more common than a lot of people think. I think having that kind of answer is like, uh, is, you know, it's not what people expect. But I'd say probably a majority of people start off like that. You yeah. know, I kind of really, need experience to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, I really envy the people who know, because you know, if you're like, I love helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're you don't have to question, you know. You don't have you have a lot less questions to ask because you know what you're Mm -hmm. shooting for. So that's I mean, and if you can do that, right, like you'll you'll get further because you can focus more energy on that one specific thing that you're interested in. So, yeah, I envy people who 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 know that kind of thing so well. Well, that's why I really like the mechanical engineering major as a whole, because you can just go out and do anything. There's like, you know what? I'm going to go do this. Yeah. Oh, I'm done. I'm tired of this. I'm gonna go do this other thing. And I'm like gonna... you mentioned, if you don't know how to do it, the chances are they'll probably show you how to do it. Like the skill, the like because you'll probably. I mean, again, each job differs, but if they hire you as a mechanical engineer, they'll expect you to be able to do some things, but some other things you probably just have to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Are you are you in um, uh, Dr. Albertani's class? Uh, yeah, we're all together. I sit behind you. Okay. (laughs) So uh, this is going to be a bit off topic from, uh, we'll take a little bit of a tangent from, uh, the SVC stuff and, uh, man, helicopters. Am I right? (laughs) Torque machines. They are. Yeah, they're cool, but that, that is proof. It's proof to me that man was not meant to fly (laughs) because helicopters. They have so it's like the amount of math and physics that go into keeping one I mean, even if you, it's like, it's like my, my God, it's like giving, getting one to fly impossible. If you keep it on the ground too long, apparently it breaks itself. <laughs> It'll deconstruct. Yeah. Called, what, yeah. Pop quiz. What, what, what is uh, that called? Ground resonance. Ground resonance? Mm-hmm. You said round resonance. I said ground. <laughs> round resonance. I, I said ground resonance. <laughs> I heard ground resonance as well. I said ground, I promise. Your asticator showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what, them helicopters, they're magic. Honestly, though, I, I don't trust helicopters. <laughs> I see a helicopter, I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't know, I, I really don't. Like, second second term of physics, and we're doing the kinematic motions and things like that. I'm like, hmm, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've always wanted to ride on one, though. Yeah. Ride in a helicopter? So cool. That would See, that would be a cool test to me if, like, if you did like a trade study, like taking pictures of, of turtles from a helicopter and then compare it to like your drone and see which one can get more results. Yeah. That's a nice way you get a free ride on a helicopter too. Exactly. <laughs> well, we put that in the AIAA budget. Oh, of course. <laughs> buy <laughs> one, one helicopter, it's like $27 million. Exactly. I was thinking a trip, but we could buy a helicopter too. That would be <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Seaside, I think in Oregon, actually, you can get helicopter rides. Hey, you know, the, every year the Navy does a helicopter mission. Just ha- you know, and they fly their helicopters up from California. Just and they stop at OSU to do like some some stuff. Just ask for a ride. Just I like, f- hey, uh, can I climb up that rope up there? Yeah, and- you guys just take me to your next stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like- hey, I just need you to fly over the ocean around this part and yeah. then drop aerial me off. hitchhiking. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'd be the worst person ever to work in a helicopter. 
like rescue mission because you know you don't have those harnesses on to keep you mm-hmm. from like falling out. I'd totally be with my coworker and be like, "Oh, saved your, <laughs> saved your life!" <laughs> <laughs> Just push I, him out of the helicopter. Whoo! I would kill you. I do not <laughs> do <laughs> heights do, are not my do, thing. So. Do heights? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> would you ever skydive? No. Mm. Skydiving is another one where it's like. I know. I, I can trust the parachute. I can trust the person on my back that's, like, carrying me like a baby. <laughs> I can trust them. However, there's always that, that like, biting thought, right, that, like, my parachute is not going to be good enough. It's always the biting yeah. thought that I'm just going to – I'm going to hit the ground like our rocket hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So maybe that's what we should make. We should make, like, a helicopter backpack. As an in- engineer, you can look up the uh... – Failure modes. <laughs> go, I'm, sure, hmm. I'm sure that you could look up the patent of yeah. a, a parachute. I'd, I've done it. <laughs> like, I don't trust it. <laughs> my dad uh, at his uh, business, uh, he has the toilet paper patent hanging, uh, like framed on the wall. <laughs> so it shows you how to put the toilet paper on it. Do you guys know which the correct way is actually? Fun to fact. Put the to- put, to put the toilet paper on the on the holder? Yeah. No. So like, Isn't it f- so if you like... Look facing at the you? roll. Yeah. Like, which side does the thing hang down? Is oh, it facing well, away or facing toward well, towards it you? It should be hanging down from the front, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, the that, correct oh, way. That is we the can remain front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Unless you have a cat. Unless you have a cat. Oh, do they claw it? They just, oh. just, mm-hmm. undo just put, little, put little gloves on My cat hands. has yet to do that. <laughs> my, my dog... This is not STEM related or rocket science related <laughs> at all. But my dog is so dumb. He used to eat wet wipes. <laughs> he would eat wet wipes and dryer sheets because they smelled good. Yum. And I'd, be, mm, I'd delicious. Be like, I'd be like, dog, what are what are you doing? And he's like, <laughs> munching away at it, you know. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, helicopters. Am I right? Helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. There was a quote from a, I think it was either a Navy or an Army pilot, where it's like, you can trust planes, but you can't trust. Uh, non-fixed wing vehicles because they're violent and unstable and un- completely untrustworthy. Torque machines. Like Torque machines, said. yeah. Even just the, the learning about flapping, that was like... Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, wait, yeah, wait a minute. So... Hang on a second. They're not, moving? In, that's probably not even... That's not even close to the most complicated thing. On oh, but it's oh. like, oh my gosh, that took me a solid like, do you remember, to figure out. Do you remember the picture of the complicated gearbox that they had up there mm-hmm. oh, there's the, like every feasible direction direction of yeah, the, yeah my degree of imagine having to build and design that yeah that's so cool like, have oh. you ever seen like pictures of inside the helicopter and how like the engine yeah. bay is? that's mm-hmm. so crazy those are cool it's like don't uh, get me wrong they're amazing machines but i you, you're not gonna find me on them back uh kind of backtracking to when i was talking about that air show that i went to they actually mm-hmm. had a chinook there um and you can tour inside the chinook and we went in and checked it out and then they took off the cover so you can actually see like the engine and you can climb up and check it out and whatnot. Um, the Chinook it's, is the 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 two one. The two the yeah. two wing. That's the only helicopter I'll ever trust because you can fly with. Uh, if one engine dies, it can fly on one engine. So the other engine will back it up and it'll pretty cool looking. It can fly. That's what we call solid American engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Made in Colombia. <laughs> you know the it's like some of the utilities of helicopters are pretty amazing, but like. One of the ones I always think about that I like as, like, a a way of using aviation rather than just, like, cargo or travel Mm -hmm. is – let's see if my memory serves here. Uh, Sophia is a airplane. I think it's a 747 um, that NASA Ames Research Center adapted to have a telescope on it. Oh, that's cool. And so, like, the whole point is, like, as you're flying, you have, like, a way of getting, like, above some of, like, the the noise and – 
or some of the not noise, the noise is making it so I can't see as well. Yeah, you get above <laughs> some of the clouds, uh, and you can get like a clearer shots of like the sky. Mm-hmm. And so they have like this telescope on the plane, and they get to take pictures of like pretty much anything they want as long as it's within the night sky. Uh, Sophia, NASA. Okay, let's see. Sophia. Okay, good. I was right. Stratospheric oh, yeah, Observatory for Infrared Astronomy. That's that's cool. I've actually met I met uh, when I did my uh, NASA Community College Aerospace Scholarship thing. I actually met two people that worked on this plane, and they got to go up when it was flying. I mean, look at that! Isn't that cool? What the? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, pe- they're just flying it, and you're just like like a window's essentially open. Oh, it's out the side. Yeah, yeah. it's out the side of it, that, yeah. right there. Yeah, that's, that's what the, caught me too. I was like, what? Imagine the proposal. For oh this. no, they retired it. Oh, that sucks. Oh well. We're it's looking it up right cool, now though. for those listening. Yeah, we're looking at pictures. Yeah, look at that. It's an infrared, so. That's really cool. But imagine the proposal for this. Like, hey, sir, I have this amazing idea. We're going to put a telescope. On a plane. On a plane. Well, how? Are we going to mount it to the side? No, 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 no. We're going to cut a hole. They got a hacksaw <laughs> in hand already. <laughs> we're going to put a telescope on a car. So do they just like tilt it and then yeah. just circle around? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like the, an AC-130 the plane pretty much? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they kind of just they uh, they they find the point that they're looking at, and I think that they just they look at it. They take as many pictures as possible. They may even take video out of it. I'm trying to think. There was a famous one that they did. It wasn't it wasn't Beetlejuice. That uh, why do you keep calling it Be- Beetlejuice? That is how. You, okay, so for reference, Beetlejuice. Uh, people have been talking about it recently. Beetlejuice is one of the stars. That is uh, in the constellation of Orion. If you look at Orion, it is the upper left star. Not the middle star, but the upper left star. It's red. His uh, shoulder or his belt? It's his shoulder. Right. It's uh, a red star, and it is one that scientists have been looking at for like probably like the last 60 years. They're expecting it to go supernova pretty soon, and it's like a red supergiant. And they say that, you know, they think it's within the next 500 years. It's like 500 light years away or, uh, or more. And essentially, when it goes supernova, it's going to light up the sky. Like, I think it's going to be the second brightest thing in the sky besides the sun. And it's going to be, like, six times brighter than the moon at night. And it'll just be this red light. And it is going to be wild to see that. And so people have been – I actually follow an account on Twitter that monitors its brightness. And a few weeks back, it went to, like, 128% of its normal brightness. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. They're like, it's happening. big one. Yeah, here comes the big (laughs) one. And then it went back down. But it's still, like, above its 100%, like, brightness normally. And so people are thinking that this is, like, signs that, like, something is fluctuating, that maybe it's starting to finally start to fuse uh, iron before it goes supernova. Mm -hmm. And so when it happens, we'll all know because there's going to be, like, essentially a second – sun in the star or in the sky for a while it's just gonna be this point we'll probably be dead unfortunately i I really (laughs) want to be in my lifetime you know like so many so many things have happened in our lifetime like who's what's one more right did did you guys watch the eclipse the solar eclipse yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i i mean i wasn't in the the umbra but i was in the penumbra i don't know what that means oh like the fully (laughs) yeah umbra is like the full one and then the penumbra is like just outside of it Mm -hmm. for me that was like like a like a real marker like oh my gosh i got to see that in my life that's yeah super that, that's sweet. a perfect example i think there's actually going to be one more at one point in time that crosses in oregon, oregon. I, think, I think in like yeah. 70 years did you guys ever hear about so i was watching a smarter everyday video and basically he was going through like all the things that happen in a solar eclipse and mm-hmm. he talked specifically about the shadow snakes 
Have you guys heard about what? The shadow, the shadow, shadow snakes. snakes? Shadow snakes. Yeah. So he talks about it in his video, and he basically is interviewing this guy who like chases solar eclipses or whatever. And sounds like um, fun. yeah, it does sound like fun. And he's talking about how like it, it rarely happens, and he and he I don't remember the number he put out, but he says it's pretty darn rare. But you get these shadow snakes, and basically it's like. I mean, I mean, it literally looks like little wavy things on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it literally, I mean, like kind of slithering snakes on the ground. During right, the full eclipse. Yeah, and what the heck would cause that, right? That's it's, a weird thing to see. But apparently it's super rare. And it just so happened I was looking for it, and we got to see them at that eclipse. Really? And I'm, I'm hoping what? that I didn't mistake it for something else. But I'm like, holy cow, not only did I get to see a solar eclipse, but the shadow snakes as well. Isn't so, it, isn't it amazing? Like, because you guys saw it, right? Yeah. Isn't it, it's, it's so weird because I, again, my family lives in like the middle of the woods. And so we have, you know, we're surrounded by nature and like, we are hearing like birds we're hearing like, we're hearing like all sorts of stuff and like all of our dogs are around and they're all making noise. It's like, as soon as the sun started crossing it to the point, cause again, I was only in the partial, so like we didn't get mm-hmm. to see the full eclipse, but it's like, as soon as like the, the sun became like 70, 80% blocked off all the animals stopped making noise and they're all like and it dropped by the <laughs> the temperature dropped by like 10 degrees and we were like whoa like of course it's super cold because the sun is being blocked but all of the animals immediately being like why is it nighttime <laughs> i'm like this it was super eerie because it you know we think about all of these the, the civilizations that come before us and like seeing that I'd be like, what is going on? Like, something is like wrong. Armageddon yeah, or something? We have yeah. made something very mad, and well, I don't know what it is. Have you have you heard any or read anything about it? It's really interesting. What, about Eclipse or the civilizations? Or, or ancient civilizations' reactions yeah. to old eclipses, it's, or they'll be fighting a battle or something, and it would happen, and they're like, nope, I'm going home. Or, yeah, they'll, <laughs> or they'll take it as, like, a sign that, like, they're doing something wrong. Like, yeah. More sacrifices. we gotta more pump, sacrifices. we got to pump these numbers up. <laughs> well, it's like, but imagine you're some, like, medieval peasant. You don't <laughs> the quota for the week. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta hit our sacrifice. Get those numbers up. We gotta get it for Quat, Yeah, Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> but I think that's one of the Aztec gods. Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Yeah. The the feather snake. Mm-hmm. Um, medieval <laughs> peasants. Yeah. Imagine being like some uneducated medieval yes, peasant. Yes, me lord. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And uh, you know you're going about your day, and then all of a sudden the sun gets blotted out. And you're like, oh, <laughs> <Are> you, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Adios mio. But imagine like not knowing in these cataclysm, ca- not ca- just, you know, the. Um, it seems like it's cataclysmic. Yeah, it seems like it's cataclysmic, but even like real cataclysmic events. Like you ever heard of the uh, estimated range of the um, that super volcano that went off like a million years ago? Where was it at? Which one? I think I know which one. It was in the uh, Central America, I want to say. The. Krakatoa? That that's in Indonesia. Indonesia? No. What? To the Google. <sighs> yeah, I was going to say. I, <laughs> I thought that was volcano explosion. It's been a while since my last at, geography class. I think class. it's at the the Ring of Fire crack. Uh, Is that the same one that made the Columbia? Indonesia, Columbia yeah. River. Was I right? You were. Again, look at this fat, awesome. pulsating brain of mine. <laughs> Please don't say. <laughs> yeah, because so it's like the so smooth. Look at all these smooth ridges. <laughs> Again, that's why I wear this hat. Is if I take it off, you see my brain coming out of my head <laughs> but it was either the krakatoa it one was this one or I... one of the super volcano ones where they're like even the people you know almost halfway across the world had their eardrums blown out because they're just so loud it went around the earth three mm-hmm. times the the sound wave yeah but imagine living through that like 
you're just in Japan or something. Or not even Japan. You're in the, the Americas. And, you know, that's in Ind- Indonesia. And you're just minding your business. And all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't hear. But then there's a period of time where every living thing was deaf. Yeah. You ever think about that? Or like that their, their hearing is so damaged for, yeah. for like a, a long time. Damn. Yeah. Well, the, and then you think about like last eruption. Whoa, what the heck? February 3rd, 2022. Wait, I didn't what? know about that. When did this happen? February 3rd, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah, of course. But like, I feel like we should have heard about that. Uh, apparently we didn't or else we'd be deaf right now. Maybe it was just like a little. Maybe it was just a little. Not the, the super. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Yeah. Well, cause the, well, there's like minor eruptions all the time. Like, oh, look at yeah. Hawaii, like uh, Kilauea, you know, there erupts oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, it's like, those they're, ones are like some of the, they're famous for being like mm-hmm. some of the most active volcanoes. Super active, world, but right? they're not like, you know, it's wiping like, out mankind. <laughs> well, because I'm trying to remember the last time Mount Hood or, or Y East went off. Um, Don't they have their eye on Mount Hood? They're like, any day now. I think that Mount Hood is dormant. Yeah, I was about to say, I think if Mountain Hood goes off, I think it takes out like. I thought Crater Lake was dormant, but, but Mount Hood was like. I think Crater Lake is extinct because Mount Mazama, which I believe is what it used to be, it, mm-hmm. since it created the crater, I think it ruined all of the Oh, the, the for people listening who don't know what we're talking about, these are all the mountains in Oregon. And Crater Lake has one of the most fascinating, you know, creation stories. Yeah. It blew it, its top directly up. <laughs> and it came, directly it came back right down. down. So now there's a, a, a crater, Crater Wh- Lake. Wizard Island. Wizard Island, called. yeah. <laughs> so the top of the... <laughs> Uh, volcano is still there inside of the crater. Is that really what that is? I didn't yeah. know that. That's the tip mm-hmm. of the, that's why it has the caldera in mm-hmm. it too. I would have assumed it was like just a little more volcanism that kind of, no. just kind of solidified. It went up that's, that's and then down. So, <laughs> that's why it's so off center too. I love that that's not the simplest solution and that's what they think happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. Like don't, don't you love it? Defying that. That's how I heard it, but I'm, I'm sure no, there's I've, gotta I've, be. I've heard the exact same yeah. thing. And then the water is it so clear there. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I can't, you know, I wasn't there. My grandpa may have been there when it happened, but I certainly wasn't when there. did this happen? Can, this was this up? was like millions of years ago, I think. Like was it was this what should be like the the fifties? The fifties? Yeah, I don't think your grandpa was there. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he could have been. So there look there's Critter Lake. Oh, it's so beautiful. And then there's Battleship Island, which is somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh you really need to get video. Have you guys been there? I have. I've been mm-hmm. there twice. It's actually uh have you been there? I haven't. I need to go. Oh, really? you need to go. Oh, that would be cool. You got an Oregon hat. You haven't been to Crater Lake. Our only, it, our only national park. <laughs> uh, Absolutely gorgeous. If you're listening to this, you have to go to Crater Lake. Be about oh, it is called Wizard Island. I, I thought you were just making that up. How come no one <laughs> ever never listens been to me? Do you hear this? No, no one ever listens You've to never me. Been you yeah. have to go. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so look. Eruptions of ash, caldera collapse, steam explosions, and then Wizard Island. So, I can't even see what's going on there. It looks like it uh, just sank. Maybe, maybe it just yeah. It looks like maybe it did just, just sink down. Although I like the idea that it launched just it wee- like thousand <laughs> feet in the air and then landed perfectly back yeah. in the spot. I mean, during the uh, St. Helens explosion, they were finding pieces of St. Helens. Oh yeah, way the, the hundreds ash, of miles out. No, ash. not just ash. Well, pieces know, of the mountain. But the ash like was going like I think it was like I, I don't even know. I, they went like around the world with certain winds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Mount St. Helens was a crazy one, too, in the 80s. Or I think it was in 1980. And then the... We got to keep looking this up. The, I, I don't know anything about it. The lahar that it caused, which is like the mudslide with like the liquefaction yeah. of the soil. Like mm-hmm. that created like such a big problem. You see it's growing again? 
I actually did see that they're like, hey, hang on a second there, pal. <laughs> hey, wait, wait a minute. Mount St. Helens, when did it erupt? 1850. Oh, not everyone. My understanding was you, like, uh, like uh, yeah, you, people go down inside of it and you're able to kind of tell there's a lot of activity happening. Yeah, people people check on it a lot. Well, it looks yeah. like they said that the last eruption was in 2004, 2008. I don't know. No, because they used to have video footage of this. 2004, 2008, yeah. volcanic activity of Mount St. Helens in Washington. I've actually never been to Mount St. Helens. You haven't? Mm-mm. You should go, too. <laughs> I've been. I've, how have I been a mountain trip? I'm not you've, even from you've Oregon. You've lived in Texas. You've lived in Oregon. You've lived in Hawaii. What do you mean? Okay, you've been more around the world than we have. <laughs> well, we grew, I mean, we grew up in Oregon. But I'm not even from here. I figured you guys would, you know, have nothing better to when do. I like. go, when I go out of the country and I and I go, oh, I'm from the United States, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm good at United States like geography. Where are you from? I'm like, oh, Oregon. They're like. Mm. I'm, like, I'm like it's below Canada they're like I'm like it's above California they're like oh okay <laughs> and it's not and Washington, no, it's not Washington. <laughs> to be fair Mount St. Helens is in uh, Washington yeah so exactly yeah we don't go outside of yeah we, I mean, it's I'm like, actually it's actually illegal for me to exit Oregon what <laughs> yeah oh yeah I won't talk I don't want to talk about state. it yeah every other yeah. state <laughs> it's like, oh, that's legally dumb. I can't discuss it you understand but uh, I want to say something. But I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, when I was in uh, Germany one time, I, w- I was talking with a gentleman at the bar, and he goes, "Oh, you're from the United States," and I didn't even talk to him. I go, "Oh, how'd you know?" I know. Um, he, <laughs> being you know very well spoken English, but he was German native, and he goes, "Oh, are you from New York, California, or Texas?" Yeah, like those are those are the three. Those are the three. <laughs> That's it. Not and then like maybe Florida too. People know Florida quite a bit as yeah, well. Yeah, Florida nowadays, but. At the time, I was in high school in Texas, so I'm like, you know, you can't hit the dime on there, but, like, you shouldn't assume. <laughs> Actually, you're right, but I don't like that. Yeah, you're right, but I don't like that you're right. Yeah. So it's it's a weird cultural thing. he's like, name the country below Germany, and you're like, I don't know. Austria. Oh, shoot, there you go. Yeah, Austria. Wow. <laughs> I actually, my geography, I, I know uh, geography pretty well. I don't know why I made myself learn geography pretty well, but I did. I learned it pretty well <laughs> so you can never have to ask for directions well because because you know, it's, well, it's, people always people always talk about like uh yeah that too just go you know to get to germany you just go north of austria north of Liechtenstein, and north of switzerland then you then you're there south of denmark it's perfect mm-hmm. there you go yeah i learned uh, i learned like well because geography i always thought was super cool but also it allows me to like like when people say like oh this country i gotta think i'm like okay well, where is this country? Like, what continent? That's usually pretty easy to figure out. And then I think of, like, what area of the continent? And I'm like, oh, like, what are they, like, landlocked? Is it, you know, like the Democratic Republic of Con- the Congo in Africa? It's like, <laughs> you should look at the, the, the beaches there are beautiful. I'm going to show you. Republic of the Congo. Look at the, look at the beautiful beach in this place. Look at that one tiny spot. <laughs> So Democratic Republic of the Congo, just, it, not, not landlocked. They, they just have. They are almost not landlocked. They have like a very small, like what is that, two three mile long stretch. Well, it's got to be more than that, right? I don't know. And you have a measurement on there, right? That's true. I can't see it though. Nathaniel is the one. You need to Google. I think it's Google Earth thing, though, right? 
Where's the little measuring device? It's, yeah. it's right here. Coastline. Did they take it away? Oh, this one right here? Yeah. Oh. I, I don't want to do the Pythagorean theorem, so how long uh, is that? That's 20 like, miles. Give about take. 20 yeah, miles. 20 or so. But isn't that amazing? That, that just very, 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 very tiny coastline. Just right there. If you have a major river like they have there, does mm-hmm. that count as being landlocked if you have a river running through? I think yes. it, it does. Okay. Because like I think like like Kansas, for example, I think has the Mississippi going next to it. I would consider that incredibly landlocked. <laughs> I, would, I would consider actually Kansas a no-go zone. I don't think anyone should probably live in Kansas. Yeah, I think uh, international law, like if you have a navy... You're not landlocked. <laughs> There's okay. like a, one of like the biggest yacht clubs in the country. I'm pretty sure in America is is a landlocked country. Now I should look that up. In America is a landlocked country. Largest, largest <laughs> uh, yacht State. club in America. Yacht. Oops, I spelled it wrong. Uh, okay, San Francisco. Okay, never mind. Well, uh, yeah, San Francisco. Maybe maybe I lied. I, maybe I just I was lied to. You just don't know. Cool. See, you're not rich it's enough. To my brain, my brain, my brain is gaining more folds. No, <laughs> the perfect smoothness. <laughs> and for reference, we we always talk about our, our brains being smooth or folded. Uh, the more folds you kind of have in your brain, like if you look at like different animals that are considered dumber, like koalas, for example, is one a of very animals. very smooth brain. The more folds you have in your brain, is the more like like knowledge capacity you have the I think more, it was like, more like neuron connections the more, yeah the more right? like, func- Something like that. functional brain power you can use your ram is higher <laughs> <laughs> and uh koalas have like one of the smoothest brains in, in the oh, animal kingdom it's koalas are my favorite thing to talk about sometimes you can literally take eucalyptus off the tree put it in the plate in front of them they don't know what to do with it what is this? What are you giving me? They are not. <laughs> Put me on a tree. Yeah, they are not <laughs> smart animals. Like sloths are another one where it's like, I don't think sloths are dumb, but like they climb really slow, but like their swinging branch speed is pretty fast. But there's like stories of them like trying to grab a branch. This might, again, this is an anecdote. I don't know. That, I'm not a sloth expert, nor am I a turtle <laughs> expert. we say here is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're legally obliged to say only facts here. Yep. And so, like, the sloth will, like, sometimes accidentally grab its own arm thinking yeah. it's a branch because it's holding so still, and then it'll just fall. <laughs> there have been cases where sloths have so starved sad. to death with full stomachs because their metabolism is so low. They'll eat, and they, the energy just won't circulate, and they'll just die of starvation. Perfect animals. Yeah. They exist through pure pity of evolution. <laughs> Nothing will eat them because they're not nutritious. And, and they stink. And they stink, too. and they smell. They move so slowly that mold... And algae and all sorts of nastiness will grow on them, and then they poop on themselves. And pants. they're just nasty animals. Everything just goes ew. I'm not touching that. I'm not eating yeah, that. Yeah, ew. Stay away. <laughs> I wonder what they taste like. Oh, we, they, you know, oh. we we talked. Uh, this is actually funny. We were talking with uh, Luke, the team captain of the heart team, and I, I brought up uh, the fact that I want to I want to bring back a woolly mammoth just to just to take just a bite of the it. Mammoth just a mammoth, a mammoth steak. Mm-hmm. Your first mammoth. Back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause, Eat it. You know, because if you look at it, they probably would have survived with the, you know if we didn't touch them. And uh, if we hadn't murdered them, also they must have been tasty. I wonder. There's an island. I actually don't. Uh, this. I'm trying to remember if I'm right. There's an island north of the far east uh, part of Russia that I think had the last surviving mammoths on it, like a few thousand years ago. We so, gotta look this up. Yeah, I know. I just but keep I know, spouting facts. Yeah, well, you know, the fact that we almost hunted something to extinction because it tasted good is not the first time that happened. You know, the Guadal- Guadal- I Can't say the word. The, to- the tortoise. 
No, the, no, the, the tortoise. Galapagos. 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 There we go. Galapagos. Apparently, they were so delicious that the reason why they were endangered was because they would eat them. And they were the perfect storage, like storage food for a ship. Because you can stack oh, them. Yeah. They didn't need to eat a whole lot. And then they tasted amazing. So uh, a lot of kings and queens in England and France and stuff like that were like, hey, I need oh, you to yeah, go to this cool. island and bring me a uh, tortoise. I was right. I didn't remember the name of the island, but it's Wrangell Island, and it's woolly mammoths survived there from 2500 to 2000 BC, the most recent survival of all known mammoth populations. Sometimes I just kind of look at Google, and I'm like, mm, this looks interesting, and I'll just start reading. You want to hear something crazy? I would, I would love to. Mammoths were around the same time the pyramids were. You know, that is kind of uh, that is kind of Think about it. The pyramids me. were? Pyramids were around oh, the same right. time as mammoths by like yeah. a significant period yeah, not towards the tail er, yeah. not towards the tail end not towards like oh they were just a little bit there no so they were wild. like so wild to so think instead about of a, they were in the wild and out there and yeah when the pharaohs were doing their thing instead yeah. of horsepower they had mammoth power mammoth power yeah the mammoths <laughs> of egypt the same place yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys knew this but i think that camels actually came from north america they had a species of camel, they st- and they had a species of horse. Yeah, I think they started in North America. Yeah, camels did. Back then, every like all the everything was everything was right? mixed all the together. Too. Were completely yeah, everything then, was and, mixed together. And then again. you get Australia, where they have like the platypus and like the kangaroo. <laughs> like the, 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 the have you seen some of the marsupials? Uh, marsupials and things like that. Uh-uh. Those things were massive. They, I saw a report on a ancient wombat that was like the size of a Mini Cooper. Like, oh my lord! <laughs> I want to try that thing. I want to eat that. <laughs> I want to try <laughs> some wombat and, uh, burgers. And then they had this the j- huge crocodilians, absolutely massive. Those things are scary. They were scary. That like you know they have uh, what's the name of the local peoples? The Aborigines. Yeah, the Aboriginal people. Aboriginal people. They had like art and you know verbal history mm-hmm. of you know dealing with these absolute monsters. That happened in mankind's lifetime. Like yeah. not, and if you think about it this way, that happened probably within the last 400 years. Because mm-hmm. when was uh, Australia ha- colonized? Um, I think sometime in the 17 or 1800s. Can, can we check? Because I don't want to feel like a fool. <laughs> hey, you have the keyboard. You get to look things up. Is this, do you guys normally do this much Googling? No. Sometimes, yeah, 17, 1800s. Oh. There we go. (laughs) So, like, those giant things were still around when people were walking around. Oh, it's crazy. It's it's also, think about, like, because people always talk about how the Earth used to have a lot more oxygen because there's a lot more plants. Mm -hmm. Like, how we used to have, like, double the oxygen on Earth now and, like, how it made everything else, like, twice the size. Or not even twice the size, more. Like, dragonflies used to be, like, this big and they found fossils of them. We can now measure the oxygen content of the air based off of the size of the insects. Because so insects and bugs, arthropods in general, have a hydraulic movement system. Mm-hmm. And they have, I think it was three different um, circulatory systems. One is entirely oxygen based. So it's a ratio game. Wait, is it, of is it hydraulic or pneumatic? Hydro- Pneumat- hydraulic was with fluid. Pneumatic is with air. Uh, hydraulic. Okay. So their their heart pumps and then the thing oh, okay. goes. So that's why when the uh, <laughs> that's so that's crazy. why when bugs die they curl up because there's nothing to push it out. Oh, okay. Right. I see. Um, 
So it's like blood is your working yeah. fluid. Yeah, but there's a ratio I game. I don't like that. Yeah, everything has to fit within <laughs> the exo- exoskeleton, right? Mm, so the amount of sense. blood you can circulate it limits by the amount of oxygen in the air because of ratios with how much they can grow. Mm-hmm. So if you have a high oxygen environment, they don't need to have large blood vessels. They can just grow and grow and grow and grow. So that's why you have these giant, you know, like it was not prehistoric, but it was before the dinosaurs – um, eagle size bigger dragonflies and you know head size tarantulas horrifying horrifying like not, not just like the span of your good, head but goody, like goody. But, but like your head was their face and then the, the the legs would go out that's impressive to me that like uh that there's not another limiting factor for bugs right like you'd think like, it's oxygen oxygen and nutrients yeah. and predators yeah well yeah. Well, because, like, like, not to get back to our carcinization where everything evolves (laughs) to become a crab or everything becomes crab, as I so eloquently said. But (laughs) if apparently lobsters, if you don't, if there's no, like, exterior factors that will take them out, they can, people have theorized that they can grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger forever. Yeah, I, I... I uh, I was watching a, a YouTube short or something random, but I heard that like they get so old that they just they don't molt anymore, yeah. and so they grow into their shell and die. But otherwise, they just keep going, keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think goldfish are s- similar, too. I've never seen a goldfish live past the age of like six months. <laughs> Want to know why? Well, well, because because they're taking care of them by children. Well, well, well there's actually a scientific reason. So their organs don't stop growing, but they're out out exterior body will grow to the size of the amount of water that they're in. Oh, they grow to their bowl. Mm-hmm. They grow to their I've bowl. So, but before. their organs don't stop growing. So you have koi fish that are 300 years old that, you know, they stay to the same size because they're in that same pond. But if you take them out, like, you know, there's fish, you know, you can Google this. I don't, I'm not forcing you to, but you know, you have these people with Google these it. giant goldfish, <laughs> absolutely massive. Just look up giant goldfish caught in the wild or something. And cause people would go, Oh, you know, little fishies once. The, see, look at that. Mild see, boy. those are huge, massive. Oh that is bigger than a man's torso. Uh, can that be the same thing for like catfish? That have looks, you seen like those huge yeah, catfish? Delicious. I think they're all in the same family, yeah. koi, catfish, yeah. things like that. Things, um, they'll just keep growing as long as they have room to grow and food they can just keep going and going and going until eventually they get just get too fat to like swim and then they die oh, destabilize. Destabilize <laughs> they're no the longer buoyant yeah they're just no longer buoyant they can't move around or they can't maintain their metabolism they can't eat enough to like mm. do that same thing with a uh, big croc pardon my french big giant <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that out okay um same, it's the same thing with giant crocodiles or something or crocodilians they'll just get so big that they just can't move as well outside of the the water, and they'll just start and die. There, you know, t- yeah, it's like these things that live so long you don't expect it to, like the green the Green Bay shark or something like that oh. off of Greenland that like live for like five hundred years. Those are di- those that, because they're mostly cartilage. Well, that and it's for their metabolism. Their metal me- their metabolism so are so slow. slow that they they just age slower like that. Um, those all these things do not have that advantage because they don't live in that cold environment. The same thing with uh, anything that lives in that temperature range, like a giant squid, all those sorts of things, they'll age slower because they have a slower metabolism. So their cells are not um, splitting and then dying as fast as everybody else. I know that cendarians are like jellyfish, man of war, stuff like that. They'll, they also live for like super long time. There's something called an immortal jellyfish, which they like, 
they think that they have a cell in them. They constantly, they like constantly recreate their own cells or something like that. Mm -hmm. And people theorize that again, without external factors to live forever. But as soon as you take one out of the wild and try to like keep it there and like analyze it forever, like you take it out of its home environment, Mm -hmm. then they'll die. I heard something about that where they're using those sorts of jellyfish for like dementia medication. Yeah, I'm sure it works in a similar form of human stem cells. Immortal jellyfish. Oh, that looks beautiful. Turritopus donri. It sounds like something from Skyrim. Bushroda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, biologically immortal jellyfish. Uh, temperate tropical waters. Uh, I'm going to be honest. All jellyfish remind me of the flood from Halo. Ooh. Yeah, they are <laughs> creepy. Oh, I, I don't like jellyfish either. No, no maximum lifespan. <laughs> Go on. Oh. So they'll just keep... Drone, cell drone? development process of transdifferentiation, which alters the differentiated state of cells and transforms them to new types of cells. So it's constantly recycling cells. That's oh, pretty that's ridiculous. that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So no no wonder they're doing studies to try to figure out, like, how to utilize them. 200 for, years from now, people are going to be becoming uh, a part jellyfish. They'll have <laughs> invisible heads so you can see their brains. <laughs> Smooth. Have you ever seen a man of war? Oh, Ooh, man I got stung by man. one one time. Those hurt. You really? got stung? Were you in Portugal? Because that's, that's where I they're... that was, like, dangerous to get stuck. Yeah. yeah. There's different types. <laughs> Mainly in the Pacific Not Ocean. Not the P- Portuguese man of war are really dangerous, but there's other kinds. They're kind of ugly. Dude, they so are really ugly. Weird. You know, fun fact about Portuguese man of war, there are actual several different types of animals. So they're not one animal. There are several different types. Yeah, see? These are all different oh, uh, microorganisms, and they're all symbiotic. So you have, like... the. Uh, for those listening, there we have a, a picture shown up with different little things. They're there. complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. We'll just we'll just put it at that. Uh, I feel like we should have a screenshot of that. Like gastrozoid. Gastrozoid. Yeah, so that's one type of uh, Ten- tentacular palpon, a gono mm-hmm. gonophore, palpon, nectophore. And a so jelly, you have a bunch of different polyp. different. You have a bunch of different. Uh, microorganisms that have just formed together and then it's an animal but like not really so it's there's a term for that it's like because like a sea sponge is not one animal it's multiple different animals making up one really it's, it's i didn't know about that anomorph i don't know we gotta look these things up yeah there's so say. many weird animals in the ocean and so many that we haven't discovered either like that's like when you're talking about like uh submarines to go deeper like, there's got to be so much more stuff out there because the ocean is massive, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, it's full of animals. We just have not explored very they're, much of it. They're coming out with new different... A multicellular. They're multicellular. coming out with new animals. Multicellular is just what we are. They're coming out with the updates. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we're, we're like uh, we're like unicellular. A multicellular organism and an organism that exists more... more no, cellular. I Wait, think no, you no, got we're, it wrong. We're, multi, <laughs> we're multicellular, but what is the... JJ, your brow was showing. Eukaryotic, <laughs> is that what you're going for? What was that? it? Eukaryotic? What are you going Oh, for? wait. You, As you, you can might, obviously tell, listeners, we right. are totally biologists. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be at one point, but... Uh, yeah, I don't remember the... I don't remember the... Tra- it was it, it was from my, one of my biology classes, though. I just don't recall what it was. But yeah, they keep coming out with these new updates for animals. <laughs> new the, updates? Fi- found at the bottom of the ocean. Like, you see the fish with, like, the eyeballs on the top of its head and stuff like that. That's that's what you should design your camera off of. <laughs> 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 Have you guys seen that, uh, that one... The picture of the of the giant squid thing, not the giant squid, but it's like from a like a, a the dead called? one or the live one reaching up. No, it's uh, it's different. Gosh, what's what, how, what what word? It's like an oil, like a take a picture taken off of an oil rig, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. and it's like a hundred foot long tentacle squid. 
What? These things are crazy. They, I think the first found footage of giant squid came out in like 2006. Oh, there's this Look thing. At that oh, thing. that one? Is this the thing you're talking about? Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, this I, is, I remember reading about this, the Magna Pina squid. And like that, I think that was that recently discovered just because we just happened to have a horrifying. camera hanging out. <laughs> that is that is <laughs> just, like an it's alien. Like, we know nothing. We know barely anything about what's down there. I know it's scary. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't want to go near it. Too. Looks like one of the world of the worlds. If you have thas- if you have thassalophobia, do not look this up. But then we have uh, like scroll up. Oh look who it is. <laughs> uh, you passed it. Um, but your like some of these. Competitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't say their name. Uh, like this one. This guy. Yeah. That is a real, real giant squid. Like that's. This horrifying. is a, uh, yeah, that that is horrifying. I saw a documentary about it when they first started doing this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. That's, uh, you know, sea monsters. Who believes in that? They're all fairy and folk tales. And then we're starting to realize that, oh, some of these are real. Like for every myth, there's always the, uh, a bit of truth behind it. Have you ever seen an oarfish? I have. Okay, yes. if you want to Google it for they're like for they, him. they look like a sea dragon. Yeah, so they're starting to. They find these washed up all over the world, um, for various reasons, and they're not harmful. I think they eat plankton, but they basically have a vertical column and they swim up and down like this. Um, eating plankton, and but they'll be down in the depths, so no one really sees them. Wow. But when they're up like that, they look like sea monsters. And you know, you have these depictions of all these sea monsters and like those old maps and stuff. But you got to realize that their ships and boats weren't that big. Yeah. So they're like, you see these you yeah. know, giant kraken things, and that might have actually happened. You know, you're in a little rowboat. And uh, the giant squid goes, hmm, you look like a tasty snack. Yeah. And also, uh, they're, they're, not, they're not around enough to know. Like, the animals do not know to stay away from humans yet. Because yeah. Because they mm-hmm. haven't expanded mm-hmm. that far in like, the Like, have you ever heard of the colossal squid? Okay. It's, Is it bigger than the bi- giant squid? It's about a comparative size. <laughs> it's but bigger than they're the more ho- squid. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, they're more muscular and they're stronger. Oh, but they live in shredded. more the, in the Arctic seas. So, you know, the Kraken, as we know it, is actually a Nordic myth. Nordic in you know, northern Russia. Um, that's where that word and those tales come from. And they would go, they would think that it was a small island in the, the original writings. And they have a huge mantle that looks a little bit like a small island. Like, if you want to look it up, you got to see this. Uh, Kraken Island? Kraken Island. <laughs> or just... Uh, not just Kraken Island, but uh, just Colossal Squid. Minecraft. <laughs> Let's go. Just, no, look up Colossal Squid, and you'll kind of see what I'm, I'm talking about. Because um, they have this huge mantle that is, and they can get really, really big. Um, Who would think that's an island? Well, if they surface. There, there was a picture. Like a sandbar. It's like the grossest, squishiest island. <laughs> well, if you're out in the middle of the, the, the ocean, it, it, they, it spreads out. You know, and you know, it, it makes Red. sense. There's a couple of different pictures out there that it makes sense. But they have hooks that can rotate 100, uh, 360 degrees and then on all their tentacles. And they're just massive and horrifying creatures. So like, on, see, look at the, the red one right there. Right there. This one? Um, this one, this one? Yeah. This one oh. Look at this one. It's bigger than Russia. <laughs> <laughs> no, like that one. So if you're in a little dinghy 
and you see this huge thing right there and because this is recent right imagine if they had almost unlimited resources school bus no sized. one's stealing their stuff and they just kept growing and growing school bus sized yeah well at that horrifying note we are out of time <laughs> we are out of time <laughs> so uh i want to thank you for coming on again um again where can they find you uh, the AIAA website's the best place to go, and then the project uh, has a Discord page, which you can kind of hop onto. For, and you can can you find that from the AIAA page? I believe so. I hope so. You should be able to. <laughs> you know, I had it up at one point, but I think we lost it. So, oh wait, here we go. Let's there's, see. There's definitely some form of contact on there. Oh, there's my email. I'll put you in touch with the Discord page. We'll put that on there soon. <laughs> Perfect. So go to the uh, OSU AIAA page and type in stereo video camera UAV. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you had fun here. Yeah. Um, Don't forget, at least it's not rocket science. (laughs) At least it's not rocket science. All right, everyone. Have a good night, and thanks for listening. Bye.